Are you thankful for your Savior this morning? If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I'm here to tell you right now, you need to get to know Him. You need to accept Him as your personal Savior, and He will forever change your life. Uh, man, what a Savior. Take your Bibles, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. While you're holding your place there, go with me for just a moment to what has become a, a, a life passage in this season of my life. Uh, Acts chapter number 20. I want to draw your attention for just a moment. I've been studying the life of Paul, and Paul's life is one that has encouraged me. Uh, it's challenged me. It's convicted me. I've been able to see that I can do more. I believe we can all do more. I've been able to see that, that Paul was not an individual who was interested in just seeing a little glimpse of what God could do. He wanted to see all that God could do. Uh, he wasn't interested in, in going to just a few towns and preaching the gospel. He wanted to reach as many people as he could. And Paul was someone in Scripture that you read about and you find that there was something about him. Uh, there was something that was different from Paul and other individuals that you read about. The intensity that he lived with, the, the desire, the fire within, the, the love, all of those many things. And you find in this passage of Scripture, for just a few moments as we come to Acts chapter number 20 and then go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 here in a minute, our desire this morning is to strengthen ourselves. We, we can't do that work. God has to do that work. But the Lord desires some things that we would do in order to be strengthened. And as we're continuing this series, we've come to realize that as we looked at the Word of God, the Word of God has to be given preeminence in our lives. If you aren't giving God's Word preeminence in your life, then you're missing out on all that the Lord desires to do through His Word in your life. He desires to work in your life. He desires to work through your life. And He desires to use the Word of God to accomplish those things. As you have traveled through Scripture a couple of weeks ago, we dealt with one of the things that will hinder our walk with the Lord and, and, and kill us and kill the church is pride. Pride will destroy. Pride will slowly get into the, 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 the local church or slowly get into the child of God's life. And it will slowly begin to destroy what the Lord desires to grow and to flourish. So we looked at that. Now we've come to another area that will help us to grow, if you would, that will help the child of God and the, the church to uh, grow and, and become healthy and strengthened, and that is to be surrendered. This morning, you have to answer that question. If you have not surrendered your life to the Lord, number one, what does that look like? What does it look like to be surrendered? If you haven't surrendered your life to the Lord, you say, well, I've surrendered some of my life. The Lord's not interested in just 70% of your life. He wants all of your life. He's not interested in you just giving your Sundays and your Wednesdays or your Saturdays and whenever. He wants every single day of your life. He wants every moment of your life to be consumed with Him and His goal that He has for your life. You say, but I have hobbies. Hey, in those times when you have hobbies, you can still honor and glorify the Lord. You know how many times that I have been out on the golf course and I've been golfing and, and stopped for just a few moments and have a conversation with someone and somewhere along the way, Jesus or the church or the gospel was something we were talking about. The Lord can still use those things. You go into the grocery store. You say, well, I'm just shopping for groceries. Well, be, be yielded to the Holy Spirit's leading if a conversation should happen. Every single moment of your life, what does it look like? How, how do you do it? How, how do you live a surrendered life? Notice what the Bible says in verse number 19 of Acts chapter number 20 for just a moment as you hold your place in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. My goal for my life, my aim, my desire is that I would live a surrendered life. I, my prayer for your life is that you would live a surrendered life. What does it look like? The Bible says in verse number 19, Serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you 
and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that the bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Notice with me for just a moment in this passage of Scripture, obviously we dealt with this last week, but a, a strong statement found right in the middle of this passage of Scripture. And it's really towards the end of where we're stopping today, but this statement, but none of these things move me. You see, somewhere along the way in Paul's life, he came to realize that as I surrender my all, I understand that there's going to be afflictions, but that's not going to move me. I'm still surrendered, Lord. Hey, it doesn't matter that there's going to be times whenever trials show up. Lord, I understand that as I surrender my all, trials will come but those things are not going to move me. And Paul understood that, hey, Lord, while there's going to be uncertain circumstances and the unknown right in front of me, I'm not going to know where you're leading or what you're doing. Lord, those things are not going to move me because I'm surrendered. You see, surrender looks like a life that is completely yielded to God where you are taking all of your life and saying, Lord, I'm taking my hands off of my life and I'm putting it, control all of it in your hands. Lord, whatever you desire, Lord, you have your will. Lord, whatever you want, Lord, you do what you choose. Lord, whatever you have me to go, whatever you have me to do, whoever you have for me to speak of, Lord, I'm surrendering to whatever you have for me. There are many pastors all across this nation today who grew up and they were very shy people, very quiet people. People who you would would say, hey, that's an introvert right there. And somewhere along the way, that, that pastor, that preacher, that Christian, the Lord began to get a hold of their life, and all of a sudden, they still have some characteristics towards that, but they can't help but just tell people about Jesus. You say, oh, well, they're an, they're an introvert, and so they, they surely, because they're an introvert, the Lord can't you know. You see... God can use anyone He chooses to use if we just surrender our lives to Him. You say, well, I, my, my personality is a little different. Surrender it to the Lord. You surrender your life to the Lord. You say, Lord, I'm an introvert. I need you to take, make me an extrovert. Lord, Lord, I need something to talk about. Talk about Jesus. You see, here in a few minutes, you're going to find in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 that Paul is going to towns. And there's a group of people who begin to accuse him of certain things. And Paul begins to relay the message that, hey, I didn't ask for anything. I didn't desire anything. The only thing that I desire to do is to go into the towns and to preach the gospel and to tell people about Jesus because that's what I desire and that is where my heart's desire is. Somewhere along the way, Paul surrendered his life completely to the Lord and said, Lord, you do what you choose to do. Okay, Paul, I'm going to send you to prison a couple times. Okay, I'm surrendered. Paul, I'm going to stone you. Okay, I'm surrendered. Paul, you're going to go through some shipwrecks. I'm surrendered. Paul, you're going to be beaten, you're going to be bruised, you're going to be mocked. It's fine. I'm surrendered. Paul understood that in the midst of all of what he was going to encounter, as he was surrendered, he still found joy in the midst of it all. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 24. Because this is where we are finding many Christians' lives. Notice what the Bible says in Acts chapter number 20, verse number 24, the Bible says this, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. One of the major hang-ups, if you were, in the Christian life is we think too much of our lives. 
Yesterday we were talking about this, that within the, the local church and within serving in ministries, if we are unwilling, and we are dealing with leaders. Let me, let me convey this for just a moment. We were dealing with the leaders and, and, and how all of us ought to be giving ourselves to a personal relationship to the Lord. That is a, a must in the Christian life. You have to spend time with the Lord. You say, I want to be happy. Spend time with Jesus. You say, I want to be used. Spend time with Jesus. You say, I want to be effective. Spend time with Jesus. And one of the things that sometimes we struggle with is we come to a place where we say, I'm too busy to do this, or I'm too busy to do that, or I can't do this, or this isn't a priority is really what it is. And one of the things that we begin to realize slowly is that we begin to neglect our personal relationship with the Lord. And as we're leading and serving in ministries, let me put it to you this way. If I were to go this entire week and I don't give any time to the reading of the Word of God, the studying of the Word of God, but I come to the house of God on Sunday, I'm unprepared. I have not given myself to spending time with the Lord to, to really work on my personal relationship with the Lord and to be preaching what the Lord has dealt with me on and to just very simply be preaching from the overflow. That what I am telling you, what I am telling God is my presence is more important than the presence of God here today. Can I share with you, we need the presence of God in this place. We need the presence of God in every single one of our lives. As you go out into this lost and dying world, it is not just because you are there that you say, hey, my presence is going to change the world. No. It's nothing you have to offer. You need the Lord. And Paul understood this as he goes on and he says this right here, Neither count on my life, dear. Hey, if you take me, take me. If you have for me to stay, have for me to stay. As a matter of fact, in the book of Philippians, you'll find that Paul is ready to depart. Paul says, hey, I'm ready to go, but it's more needful for me to stay. Lord, I want to go, but the Lord has said I have to stay. So while I'm staying, guess what he's going to do? He's going to serve. He's going to minister. In verse number 24, he says, so that I might finish my course, here it is, right here, joy. We are seeing a world of Christians who have lost their joy. Walking through the doors of the church, hey, people are serving and, and they're doing this or doing that, but they, they've lost the wonder of it all. Almighty, unchangeable God. You listen to the choir sing that and you begin to listen to the choir sing his mercies are new. Have you gotten over those mercies? Have you forgot that tomorrow morning when you wake up, it's still a blessing that you're alive? Have you forgotten all the many things that God has done for you and all the things that He is desiring to do? You see, in this passage of Scripture, we find that Paul understood that none of those things were going to move me because, Lord, my life is dead. Lord, I died a long time ago. Lord, my life is yours, so I've surrendered. Lord, whatever you have for me, Lord, you do whatever you please. Lord, wherever you send, you send me. He understood those things. You begin to realize within the life of a surrendered uh, servant, you say, I want to surrender my life. Then spend some time with the Lord. As you come to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 here in a few moments, you're going to see some of those things that are taking place. Paul, I believe, because of his, his faithfulness, it was not just because Paul said, hey, I'm going to be faithful. No, Paul's faithfulness and his consistence in being a surrendered life to the Lord because he was given to the Word of God, he was given to the will of God, and he was given to the work of God. You see, it was the Word of God as he was spending time with the Lord and he was desiring to do the will of God that all of a sudden the work of God was fruitful because God was in the midst of it. You want to know why many ministries, many uh, Christians, many pastors, many preachers, why our, our work uh, for the Lord is not fruitful? Because we've left God out of the work. Can I share with you, my presence is not what Gateway Baptist Church needs today. Your presence is not what Gateway Baptist Church needs today. The presence of God is what we need. The Word of God is what we need. 
We need to do what the Lord desires for us to do, and that is giving preeminence to this right here. And Paul understood that. Paul, uh, you're going to go through some, some very troubling times. It's fine. The Lord's going to take care of me. I'm not concerned. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Go with me for just a moment if you would. You see some things. And as we looked in chapter number 20 of Acts chapter number 20, we see that, that Paul, ultimately, the reason that he was able to do all that he was doing was because he was bound to some things. Uh, somewhere along the way, Paul got a burden. And that burden began to just continue to work in his life, and he began to be consumed by those things. And as you begin to think about that, you begin to think about the life that Paul lived, and you say, man, I just want to live a fraction of the life that Paul lived. And hey, start today by giving yourself to the Word of God, the will of God, and the work of God. Surrender. You say, what does that look like? It's just a life that is completely given to God every single day of your life. You wake up tomorrow, you say, Lord, today is in your hands. Lord, help me to be a vessel that's used the way you desire it to be used. As we dealt with this last week, we shared a passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians. Chapter number 9, as you come to this passage of Scripture, you see some things that are taking place. And we began to recognize that it was D.L. Moody who the Lord used mightily who made this statement that the world has yet to see what God can do through a man fully dedicated to Him. I don't know if the world has still seen that. I don't know if the world will ever see that because at the end of the day, if we're being honest, we're all too selfish to fully be dedicated to God. Every single day we wake up and we have desires that we want to do and God will say, hey, I'm going to interrupt those desires because I desire for you to go to do this. And we tell God no every single day about something. Every single day. Just the other day as we were were driving, uh, I had to pick Jackson up and I was stopping and I had to get Jackson to the the, uh, uh, barber for a few minutes. I got on my Great Clips checklist, and I checked in. I was 43 minutes away from the barber, and I was 45 minutes to wait in line, so I said, perfect. Walked right in. Walked right in, set Jackson into the the seat, and uh, Jackson was getting his hair cut, and conversations were going on, and there was a man that was getting his hair cut by another barber in there, and he he turned, and he was asking questions about Jackson. And I said, yeah, he, he, he looks like a bum right now. He needs a haircut. And he just started laughing. He said, I see he's got a school uniform form on. Where does he go? And he said, he goes up to South Haven up the road. It's about a 30, 35-minute drive up the road from here. And we take him there, and that's where he goes to school. He said, South Haven. He said, okay. He said, where's that at? I said, it's in Springfield. He said, oh, okay, okay, okay. I said, are you familiar with South Haven Baptist Church? That's where it's at. He said, no, no, no. I said, well, you go to church anywhere in here, around here. He said, no, I don't, I don't go to church. I said, look, come and visit us. Gateway Baptist Church. Come and, come and visit with us, spend some time with us. And, and Jackson's just sitting over there. He's just, you know, just doing his own thing, sitting there. He loves. He won't let me cut his hair at the house. He gets mad every time. Somehow, he says it itches when he gets a haircut at the house, but whenever he gets a haircut at the barber, it's perfectly fine. I put a trash bag over his head every single time, and I stuff it around. He it can't get in there. He still complains. You know? He just costed me some money. I told him I'm just going to shave it and be done with it. But it was standing there. We get in the, to the Jeep, and Jackson turns. He says, Dad, who was that guy? I said, I ain't got a clue. I don't know. Never met him. But Lord willing, we'll see him in church. Jackson said, he always is confused. He's always wanting to know whose church. You know, my father-in-law is a pastor. He's always asking about churches. Our church? Well, who else's church do you think I'm talking about, son? You know? <laughs> yeah, our church. 
But in that moment, I, I, was, I was convicted as I was standing there. And look, we were on a quick schedule. We, we had to get to places. It was on a Wednesday, and we, we, had to, we had to go. We had to go. We had to go. And I, I remember I was thinking, man, we, we've got to hurry this thing up. But I was standing there in that conversation. Can I tell you, tell you this? When God begins to, you say, I, I've got to get this done. And God says, hey, I, I, forget that for a few minutes. You need to focus here. I've got a soul that needs to, to, to accept me as their personal Savior. I need you to speak to that person. Hey, I've got a place you need to go. I, need, I have a conversation. You need to, I have a, a ministry that needs to be involved. I have all these things. And God says, hey, I'm gonna, forget about your script. Forget about your path. Take a detour for just a few moments. This is where I need you. Notice what Paul says in verse number 16. Back up to verse number 15. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be done so unto me. So done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. You say, hey, it's not about me. I have nothing to say. It's not that I'm going and I'm preaching and I'm saying, hey, look at me. It's not me. He says, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He's saying right there, hey, I've got to. I'm bound to this. I have to. It's a, it's a conviction of his. It's a burden of his. He says, it's of necessity that is laid upon me. Yea, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if any, if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what if my reward then, verily, that I, what I preach, or when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And under the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law of God, but under the law of Christ, to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might be, or by all means, save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one obtaineth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. Paul is understanding, hey, it's nothing of me. I've surrendered my life to the Lord. I have to do these things. Can I share with you, child of God, that sharing the gospel is not for just the pastoral staff. It's not just for the Sunday school teachers. It's not just for the deacons. It's not just for missionaries. If you're a child of God here today, it's our job. It's our duty. It's our obligation. It's our responsibility. We have to do these things. Notice with me three things that we find in this pastor's scripture that I pray will help us when it comes to living a life that is surrendered. You say, hey, I've not even surrendered. Then today needs to be the day where you say, Lord, I surrender my all. I'm laying my all at the altar. Lord, I want to be a life that is given to you. Lord, I, you might be middle-aged. You might be in the wisdom class. You might be a young child. You might be a teenager. You might be a parent. You might be someone who's just visited the church. You say, I've never surrendered my life to the Lord. Can I encourage you? Can I urge you to do that today? You say, well, what does it look like? The Lord will bring you along. You just stay faithful to Him. Notice with me, number one, Paul's aim. Paul's aim, if you would. 
Paul understood that it wasn't about him. In verse number 15, he says, But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be done so done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should, be, should make my glorying void. In the beginning of this passage of Scripture, Paul is understanding that, hey, he didn't want to be a burden to anyone. He didn't want to be a stumbling block to anyone. His, his one aim was, I just, I have to do this. I'm coming to minister unto, I'm coming to do these things as I desire to. His one aim was that Christ would be magnified. You see, Paul, not only his life was changed the moment he met Jesus, but the moment he met Jesus, his life was completely changed. And then every moment after that, you begin to see Paul just wanting to tell people about that changed life. Illustrate it this way. A young lady might walk into the house of God this morning and she's lost and she doesn't know Jesus and she listens to the message. She understands that she's lost and that she needs to get saved. She gets saved today. As she walks out the doors of the church, she doesn't know how to live the Christian life entirely right now. But she does know one thing. Jesus changed her life. And so she goes, and she goes home, and she's talking to some family. She calls some friends. She talks to her co-workers, and she's just simply sharing, Jesus changed my life. Well, what do you mean Jesus changed my life? Oh, that joy I've been looking for. Oh, I found it. Oh, that that, that pain that I have been carrying, that burden that I've been carrying. All those questions, there's been a peace about it. The Lord is, He's changed my life. He's done something that, that I can't really explain. It's just there's a change in my life. So you see, Paul understood that his one aim was to tell people about the change that had taken place in his life. I get worried about Christians who have no desire to live the Christian life. That's worrisome. It's not worrisome in the sense of I just as I worry because I wonder if you know the same Jesus I know. Because man, what a difference he's made in my life. I know who I was before I got saved and I know who I am today and I'm far from being the perfect Christian. But man, worshiping and serving Jesus, it just doesn't get any sweeter. I get the opportunity every single day to serve the Lord. I get the opportunity to make a difference in whatever he desires for me to do. If I just simply surrender my life to the Lord, you say, I don't have much to offer. You have yourself to offer. That's all the Lord wants. You say, I'm not a gifted person. You don't have to be a gifted person. The Lord desires you. One of my favorite quotes is, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. You know why? I'm not qualified. I have no business standing up here. But Jesus sees fit. If he sees fit, I want to honor him. I want to magnify him. I want to point people to him. Paul understood this. He says, it would be better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. As you go to the book of Philippians, you see that the Lord was dealing with Paul. And people probably asked, how was Paul able to still uh, praise the Lord and find joy in the midst of all those circumstances? It's because Paul understood that when he surrendered his life to the Lord, he didn't get to decide when he could make his circumstances good and pleasant and bad and unpleasant. Paul said, Lord, I'm surrendering all. That means when you decide, Lord, that it's going to be an unpleasant season, you get to make that decision. Lord, when you decide that it gets to be a pleasant uh, season of my life, you get to make that decision. Lord, when you desire for me to go and do this, Lord, I'm surrendered, so that means I have to do this. One of the things you can begin to picture is as a child, that child is growing up, that child knows what their parents want them to do and what their parents don't want them to do. Jacob right now and Landon right now know what mom and dad expect of them. And so Landon knows, hey, I am not allowed to say certain things. Why? Because my dad won't let me. 
I'm not allowed to go to certain places because why? My dad won't let me. I'm not allowed to hang around certain people that use that language and do those things. Why? Because my dad won't let me. I have to do certain things living under my parents' house. Why? Because, well, I'm told to. I have to. Paul understood, hey, Lord, I'm surrendering my life to you. Lord, whatever you decide. Lord, if you tell me I can't do this, Lord, I can't do this. You, get, you make all the decisions. This is a hard thing for you to understand. If you were to go to, if I were to go to Brother Zach and I were to say, all right, Brother Zach, tomorrow you get to tell me every decision that I have to make. a little worried (laughs) but can I share with you when you lay your hand and you lay your life in the hands of the Lord you say Lord I'm putting every decision you desire to make you make it you ain't got to worry why because the word of God teaches us that the Lord is perfect he doesn't make any wrong decisions he doesn't do anything wrong there's never anything you've got to worry about you say well I've been I've been in certain circumstances and I believe the Lord allowed me to go through yeah he did and he was faithful in the midst of them too wasn't he you say, I've encountered some hard seasons, and I, them seasons weren't very pleasant. You tell me that, that I should trust the Lord? Absolutely, because he was faithful in the midst of that season. You see, that, that's our God. He is an almighty, unchangeable God. He's a wonderful God, and he desires that you would live a life that is surrendered unto him. And Paul understood that and said, hey, none of these things move me. Why? Because the Lord's wonderful. He's glorious. He's altogether mighty and he does nothing wrong. He's a perfect God. You see, Paul understood his one aim was, hey, the life that I lived and the life that I now live, man, are they vastly different. What's the difference? The Lord. He says, I've got to tell people. He says, hey, those things that people are saying, I didn't come here seeking any gain. You haven't paid me. I'm not asking for lodging. I'm not asking for food. I'm just asking to share the gospel. I'm just asking, hey, I don't need much. I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you and that Jesus died for you and that he has a life that you need to live. He desires that you would get to know him and live a life that is surrendered and yielded to him so he can show you all that he is and all that he can do. Paul understood, hey, my aim is just that Christ would be magnified. Paul was sold out to some things. He was sold out to the will of God. He was sold out that if God says he loves me, then I know that he loves me. He was sold out to God's word and how true and how powerful it was. He was sold out to the grace of God because he had experienced it time and time again. Some of us have bought into some things of this world. And we bought into certain gimmicks. We bought into to companies. We bought into all these things. And we say, hey, I will only use that. Why? Because you're sold on it. You know one of the saddest things about the, the, the child of God and many Christians in our world today? We're not sold on this right here. We're not sold on it. You say, oh, yeah, I, I read it. No, yeah, but just because you read it doesn't mean you're sold on it. We're not sold that, hey, is this, true? is this book truth? Yes, it's true. Do you believe it? Sometimes. You say, well, I, I try to. Well, your life says otherwise. The Lord's looking. He says, hey, if you really believe my word, then why, why do you have so much doubt? Why, why, why do you have, have little conviction about the way that I desire for you? You say, well, the Lord just doesn't want us to have fun. No, he desires for you to have the most fun. That's why his commandments are so powerful. If you would live by them, you'd understand that. But I don't know about you. You know, we, we live in a world that says, hey, you, the Christians can't have fun. I don't know if you've been in the, the house of God recently, but we've had a good time. I don't know if you've stayed around for some of the fellowships lately, uh, but we, we've had a pretty good time. I don't know if you've had conversations with these young people as they go to camps and they come back, but they've had a good time. 
And each of those times, whenever they were having a good time, guess what was being done? The Word of God was being preached. They go to camps. There's an emphasis on the Word of God. You come to the house of God, we're trying to place an emphasis on the Word of God. You come and you begin to see some of the ministries that we're starting right at this very moment. Guess what the, the main focus is? The Word of God. Amen. Clarksville Recovery, the Word of God. Clarksville Evening School of the Bible, the Word of God. Sunday School, the Word of God. Children's Church, the Word of God. We're trying to get into the de- jails and some of those ministries that were mentioned yesterday. Guess what the, the uh, priority is? The Word of God. And you say, well, what are you trying to get at? Why are we not buying into this book right here? Paul was sold on those things. He didn't have to doubt. He was sold that the Lord would continue to work in his life. And he goes on in verse number 15 and says, For it were better for me to die. Man, Paul, the way the Lord used him, not only do we see Paul's aim, number two, we see Paul's message. It's a very simple message. It's a message every single one of us can share. In verse number 16, he says this, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if, any, if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily, that, I, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. That I abuse not my power in the gospel. Paul had a very simple message here. His aim was that he would magnify and point people to Jesus. His message was he was beginning to share the gospel and he began to understand that the power was not in what Paul had to say. The power was not where Paul went. The power was not in how Paul conducted it. The power was not in who Paul was. The power was in the gospel itself. He says, hey, I have nothing to glory. If it's nothing I have to offer, it's the power of the gospel. Paul, how do you know it's the power of the gospel? Because it's the gospel that changed my life. Paul, how do you know it's the the, the power of the gospel? Because I've seen it change other lives. I've been to other cities. I've gone to other places. Man, have I seen a difference. As you go out in this lost and dying world, people are going to ask you those questions. Why do you believe that? If your life has changed, you have a perfect answer. This right here. talking to him, hey, if I could take you down the road and show you who I was, the way I was living, the things that I were doing, the people I were having conversations with, all of the life that I was living, and I can show you the time whenever I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and tell you who I am now, you'd say, I see it. I get it. But, but, but yeah, you're telling me that, that this is who you were and this is who you are now. I mean, are you having more fun? Oh, loads more. Yeah, okay, you're telling me who you were and who you are now. Do you have more happiness and peace and joy? Oh, uh, it never stops. In that state, I couldn't lay my head on my pillow because I had so many questions and I was longing for answers and I had no peace and I had no comfort and I had no joy and I had no happiness because of my circumstances and the life that I was living. I didn't understand all these things. And then I met Jesus and I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. And now I go to Him and He supplies all the needs that I have. I I can't answer it for you. I don't know all those things. I just know that Jesus changed my life. He says that is the message, the power of the gospel. Paul, three things that we see about Paul as you walk through this passage of Scripture. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. You see that Paul was selfless. You see a sacrificed life, a sanctified life, a life that is laid at the altar, and you say, Lord, I'm surrendering my all to you, is a life that doesn't care about yourself any longer. Lord, it's not about me. Lord, I want to surrender to you because I know you could do much more with my life than I could ever do. 
itself us. The Bible gives us some verses that deal with this and helps us understand this in 1 Corinthians 10. In verse number 31, just a chapter over, you see that the Bible says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Why? Because it's not about you, it's all about His glory. Do everything to the glory of God. You'll find much more joy in it. In Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 16, the Bible says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. You say, oh, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna glorify me. They're going to look at what I've done, and they're going, to, they're going to say, man, look at that person, look at that individual. No, 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 read what the Bible says here. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. There are times whenever a, a, a child will understand certain things. Usually it's later on. Maybe they're a teenager. And it'd be as though... Miss Jessica, you guys have some family or friends coming in. You're about to get off work, and Jacob knows, hey, the house needs to be picked up. Because if we're going to have, have some family and friends over, mom's going to want it to look, look right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it look good. Holly, she doesn't clean. She's not going to clean, but I'm, I'm going to make sure it happens. He says, I'm going to take the initiative. Luke, he's going to make a mess after me, but we're, we're just going to get this thing done. Not a chance, man. We're not buying that. But he understands And so he goes about and he's cleaning the house and he's getting everything ready. Why? Because he knows that when a guest comes in, they're going to look at the house and say, man, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful place. And they're not going to say, look at what he, he, they have no idea that Jacob put all that work in. They're going to turn to Miss Jessica. Miss Jessica, your house is beautiful. You see, when we live a life that is surrender to the Lord and we're living our life in such a way where we're serving the Lord, we don't do these things so that people will look at us and say, look at what you're doing. We do these things and we serve the Lord and we work for the Lord and we labor for the Lord so that people, when they see our lives, say, okay, something's not adding up. And we have the opportunity to say, yeah, Jesus changed my life. He, he, he's done the work. He, he's forever changed my life. Paul understood, hey, I have nothing to glory of. It's not about me. And so he goes on. He says, for necessity is laid upon me. A woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He was not only an individual who is selfless, but he was steadfast in it. He says, if I preach not the gospel, yea, woe is unto me. The word necessity speaks of the fact of being required, if you were. I think one of the things that many Christians struggle with is the natural pride and selfishness within us doesn't like that the Word of God requires us to do some things. The Lord says, hey, you're a child of God, you need to Share the gospel. I don't like being told what to do. Hey, uh, you're, you're a child of God. Be holy for I am holy. I don't like being told what to do. It's, a, it's against our, our natural desires to, to, to do those things. It's against the grain. And so that's where we're going to go. We're not going to do what the word of God has to say. Paul just said, hey, it's not about me. It has nothing that I have to offer. He says, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Why? Because it's necessity. Why? Because... Look, I know that person's lost. I know that person's dying. I know that person's going to go to hell if, if someone doesn't tell them about Jesus. I've got to. I've got to share with them that, man, you need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. There's a burden that was on Paul. He goes on in Acts chapter number 20, and he begins to share that burden. He was bound to some things. He had to do some things. The Holy Spirit had done such a powerful work that Paul was wanting to do everything he could, and he got a burden. He says, none of those things were going to move me. Why? Because he got burdened for it. A surrendered life gets a burden, and they understand that, hey, I've got to just keep plowing on. 
You continue reading. He says, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. You understand that as you continue reading in verses 17 and 18, that Paul begins to relay very simply that he was satisfied and very simply just living a life that was just sharing the gospel. You know, we, we say things like this. We have missionaries that will come through. They'll share their video on a screen and they'll, they'll preach and you'll get to know them. And, and you walk out the door and you say, I don't know how they do that. I could never do that. You have Christians who will come to the end of themselves and, and they'll surrender their lives to the Lord and they'll go and they'll do this or do that or, or whatever the case might be. And we have people in churches, we have Christians all across this nation and this world who will say things like this. I don't know how they're doing that. You want me to tell you how they're doing it? They surrendered their life a long time ago. And they understood this, that God would supply every need that they ever had. You see, the needs that we think and we think we have to have, we think we've got to have the perfect home to live in and the perfect lifestyle to live and the perfect scenarios and every single thing for us to be able to serve the Lord and do it in such a way where we can find joy. You see, the book of Philippians alone contradicts everything you just said there. Not a single time in Paul's life in the book of Philippians do you find where the circumstances were great. As a matter of fact, the lodging that he had would be a one star on Google. The people he had to hang around were pretty, pretty terrible. But all the way in the midst of it, you find that Paul, as he is dealing with the church of Philippi, he says, hey, don't worry about me. The gospel is still advancing. I've still got joy. That's all that it's about. It's all about Jesus, and Paul begins to realize those things. He was satisfied in just the gospel being what advanced. The Bible says in John chapter number 6, verse number 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Go with me for just a moment to Psalm 63. Psalm 63, as we deal with this passage of Scripture and understand some things, in the verse 1 of Psalm 63, it starts out, and we have to ask ourselves this question, Do we really believe this? The very first six words of this psalm right here, do we buy in to the statement that is being made? Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee, my soul thirsted for Thee, my, my flesh longed for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see Thy power and Thy glory so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary because Thy loving kindness is better then life, my lips, shall praise thee. I love verse number three. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. You know, we have to come to the place where very simply we understand that the God we worship, we don't worship him for the things he gives us. We worship him for who he is and how wonderful he is. Ah, look, I love it when, when you know, uh, Holly, just the other day, she was... We were about to leave. I had to go get Jackson. This was the same day that Jackson had to get his hair cut. And I was trying to talk Holly into coming with me. She usually does. But this day she chose Mama this one time. I was like, what in the world? But her and Holly had to go. Uh, or her, Holly, and Charlie had to go. Charlie had a dog's appointment. Then Kelly had a dog's appointment or vice versa, whatever. It doesn't matter. But they had a dog's appointment to go to. And I said, Holly, you go with me. She said, no, I'm going to go with Mama. So we're loading up in the van. I said, Holly, I'm still trying to get her to come. I said, Holly, come with me. i got to go to Jackson. She says, no. She says, but you're the goodest dad. You're the goodest dad. I'm going with Mama, but you're the goodest dad. 
I said, all right, that, that'll work. I, know, I said, I know I'm the goodest, but I want you to go with me. The goodest dad. Can I share with you, I'm not the goodest dad. But our Heavenly Father is. Amen. And man, how wonderful he is. Amen. He, he is, he, oh man, waking up every single day and just knowing the love that we get to experience and knowing the joy we can find and knowing the comfort that he provides and knowing the peace that he offers, knowing all of those things, man, what a God we serve. Number three, we're done, it won't be long. As you come to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, look with me one more time. As you see these things, I wonder how you view the Lord because when you find yourself buying into something, you sell out to it. Some of you invest in stock and certain things like that. And why are you investing in certain stocks? Why? Because you bought into the fact that it's going to make you some money or this or that. Whatever the case might be. Investments and things like that. You buy in and you understand that, man, this is... Have you bought into the Lord and His work in your life? Verse number 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Verse 20, verse 21, verse 22. Paul goes on to share example of the people he is trying to reach. If he has to reach this person, he'll do whatever it takes. If he has to reach this person, he'll do whatever it takes. Verse number 22. The Bible says, or verse number 23. And this I do, notice this, for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. We see number three, Paul's determination. Paul wasn't going to be stopped. Paul had a a burning desire that he was a servant of God and he had to do something with it. He was steadfast. He was selfless. He was a servant. He was satisfied. All of those many things. Why? Because of who Jesus was in his life. George Whitfield said this, O Lord, give me souls or take my soul. Henry Martin, a missionary who was in India, was being used and was wanting to reach a people. And he said, here, O God, let me burn. And he wanted to die there. He wanted to serve the Lord there. He wanted to reach a people. And he began to say, here, O God, Lord, let me burn out here. I don't want to go somewhere else. I want to burn out here. David Brainerd said, Lord, to thee I dedicate myself. Oh, accept of me, be thine forever. Lord, I desire nothing else. I desire nothing more. D.L. Moody put it this way, Use me, my Savior, for whatever purpose and in whatever way that thou mayest. Here is my poor heart. Empty this poor vessel and fill it with thy grace. Can I share with you this morning? Some of you walk to the doors of the church and you're longing for something. You say, look, I'm a child of God, but I, something's missing. I don't get it. I, I find myself miserable and I find myself... You know, desiring this, and I'm someone that is that's, that's living this way and desiring this, but I, I can't make the, the decision to do it, and I'm just, I'm betwixt. I'm struggling with all this. I ask you this question. Have you surrendered your all? You see, if you're in a place where you're trying to hold on to some things, and you're going through and you're saying, I have to do this to be happy. No, 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 no. Jesus has all the joy. Rest in Him. Jesus has a plan for you. The Lord desires to just use your life and work through your life and bless your life and show you how powerful He is. Have you surrendered your all? One of the greatest decisions I made was surrendering my life to the Lord. I didn't realize, I didn't know what it meant whenever I said, Lord, I surrender. Lord, And then all of a sudden, I'm being called to preach. I didn't know what that meant. And then you fast forward, now I'm pastoring. I, I didn't know what that meant. But along the way, every single time that I have surrendered my will, each and every single occasion, 
and said, Lord, I don't understand it, but I surrendered a long time, and I know you've never failed me before, and so, Lord, I trust that you're not going to fail me now. Can I share with you? You still never failed me. Can I encourage you this morning? Surrender your all. Give it to the Lord. Things that will strengthen the child of God, surrender. Things that will strengthen the local church, a church that is surrendered. Lord, we do thank you today. Lord, this morning we come to you once again, Lord, asking that you would bring us to the end of ourselves. Lord, there's so much pain, there's so much misery, joy that is lost, happiness that they're searching for. So many Christians, Lord, they, 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 they're looking for all these things, but they haven't surrendered. Lord, what a joy it is to surrender and understand that the life we've been given, Lord, you desire to live through us and to show people what a difference you've made. I pray that we'd surrender. Lord, if there's some here this morning who are afraid to surrender, Lord, I pray that you would conquer that. And Lord, that you'd help them to realize that the life you've given them is much, much better in your hands than in our hands. Take this time of invitation. Use it the way you see fit. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray.